Purpose is something that is essential to us if we pay attention to it. Yeah. And we have evidence that not always the societies and businesses and organizations have the awareness and consciousness to put it into their agenda. People wake up in the morning without purpose. Hey everyone, welcome to Simulation. I'm your host, Alan Sakian. We're on site at the beautiful Transformative Technology Conference for our second partnership with them. We are now going to be speaking with Agnes Stibe. Hello. Hi. Thanks for coming on the program. (laughs) (laughs) We got the look. We got the look. You already know what's coming. All the good questions. Ready for all of them. Are you? Okay. All right. All right. All right. How about... Are we really all one? As you say, that's the word to categorize, like to characterize exactly that. One is the number one, and that's how we actually are united. I mean, oneness is something that we rediscover. I mean, evolutionary we've always been one. And now we kind of lost it on the way of evolution. And now we're kind of uh, coming back to our true nature. And there's so many ways to go from there. How about, um, how do you know that we are one? There are multiple ways how we experience oneness. Let's take an example with kids. You would see yourself being mirrored back to yourself every day especially because the kids they are acquiring or they're sometimes acquiring something that actually is helpful and sometimes that is kind of uh, imposed on them but generally because they are presumably neutral to the world they are good mirrors and then you would see yourself in those mirrors and therefore you would see actually that there is no way for you to escape yourself and the same mirrors they are just a little bit more foggy when you speak with the adults but then kids are the best to remind you here you are and we are here together (laughs) and we're gonna be together (laughs) and this is how i see that we constantly reflect back on each other the oneness through that kind of mirroring Mm -hmm. okay children acting as mirrors and mirrors being part of the oneness I'm so interested in this what is a mirror mirror I mean if we speak about the one that we look into it's a reflection of ourselves and I believe how our innate nature reflects us on ourselves is through the other people our relationships our connection with them all the other aspects that we experience that's i would say is this conscious mirroring that we actually experience and unfortunately those mirrors are quite neutral so they mirror what they see or what is Mm. in front of them which means if we are good people it mirrors more good and if we are 
bad people, it mirrors more of that. So that's why we also see this cultural differences in different locations and uh, community differences depends on what is there that has been mirrored and am amplified, unfortunately. Is this like when someone walks up to me and says like, are you okay? You know, maybe I am you know, feeling sad. Um, or maybe someone says, or, you know, you, you look anxious. There are two possibilities in all of these situations because people also reflect their own inner world outside. That's the projection side of it. So sometimes it's a mirror of how I'm actually feeling and then sometimes it's their projection of their own inner world. So here we go. How do you discern? Here we go. We don't need to. Okay, okay. Because we are one. Okay. We so don't need to. We don't need to because oh. the self-reflection is exactly the same as a projection. It we, is. We project our, ourselves to the mirror so that the mirror can actually reflect back on us. And because we are one, it's loop. And it's con continuously, in the, the con interaction is, can be separable. So, so the so when someone walks up to me and says, you know, are are you anxious right now? It's both a lesson for them in projection as well as a lesson for me in mere understanding that I'm actually anxious. Actually, for you, it's a signal that most likely you would need to take it as an invitation to speak about their anxiousness, because they are projecting oh. it out, and you are the mirror in that case. Oh. Oh, interesting. So it'd be an invitation for me to ask them, are you anxious? You would know that they are because they are asking. If I am. But what if I'm actually like expressing like anxiety? If it's like super visible okay, yeah, and yeah. it is like super unquestionable, then they most likely won't even ask. They would just say, okay, how, what can I do for you right yeah, now? Yeah, yeah, if it's, got it, yes, yes. But then yeah. if it's just like a borderline, there's yeah. more expressing this projection because they, they feel themselves and they have noticed those tiny details that are expressing in you potentially to provoke them to think about it and just to reconfirm that for them. Wow. Isn't that amazing? That's mind blowing. Yeah, it is. Um, interesting. So, um, so when when things come up like a mirror like that, it's an invitation for us to inquire about the projection of what was coming up at that time because it's a non uh, clearly like it's not like someone's like crying sad. Um, okay, interesting. Um, Interesting. Good. I'm glad we walked down that. Okay. Okay. How about um, the overall purpose of creation? Purpose is necessary. Otherwise, there is this um, lack of direction. And if people don't have a, a direction, they, they go nowhere. And they go in cycles and actually quite destructive can be. So when we speak about individual lives, organizations, businesses, societies, countries, there has to be a purpose. And we've seen an evidence that there might be companies started and they end because they don't really are, they don't have a clear purpose. So they, when I speak with my students at the business school and I ask this very 
fundamental question for the business school what's business so and students naturally conventionally answer oh that's making money i say really <laughs> then tell me what's money and there's silence in the audience and then but that's obvious money is money and this is how i see that the cultural projection on what is money as an instrument and business as from my perspective as the organized value creation is not communicated even to the business school students which mm -hmm. is the essential birth of the business entrepreneurship so therefore i think purpose is something that is essential to us if we pay attention to it yeah and we have evidence that not always the societies and businesses and organizations have mm. the awareness and consciousness to put it into their agenda. People wake up in the morning without purpose. They do their connection to the virtual world. They do their routines without the purpose. The purpose is get through the day at like the minimum that some people have. Some people don't and then that's the end of their lives but generally yes purpose i think it's what is the the first step towards enlightenment <laughs> so because you kind of feel that you are belonging to something to the unity of uh, of the people and the mankind mm -hmm. and then is there a purpose for creation creation in itself is part of our nature so this is how we have created things around us. And I think why we are here at this conference right now is because we have faced that things created around us have excelled further away from um, or they have been developed with the pace that is much faster, that is ahead of our own human evolution. And I think this is what the time is when we start to realize that we actually have to create something for ourselves. And actually, we have to create more of a self-awareness and more connection to whatever we call it, consciousness, oneness, universe, and uh, deal with that because there is this huge gap. And because technologies are excelling faster because of their capabilities, we are getting this gap too wide. And that's also one of the reasons why we have this um, backfires <laughs> backfires yes. on the for the different age groups starting from the kids addiction from the technologies and ending with the adults addicted to money for example why would creation make this reality reality is as it is reality is and then we use our capacity with given power of our brains to interpret it to the best of our abilities and if we speak about creation as such i think this is how our bodies create energy from producing food i mean the creation is kind of the essential mini process that is just ongoing for everything at the same time and then when people attach the word creativity we mean something to create out of non-existent create something that never existed and then there is something new but i think creation it's a 
part of the whole life cycle, which happens all the time. Mm -hmm. The shunts, um, the, that was in that was in Latvia. <laughs> the cells <laughs> recreate themselves all the time. So this kind of a creation is just just happening all the time. So people just added this. Um, layer that okay we are sometimes more creative sometimes less creative they judge it by the output but i think this creation is just naturally flowing all the time and right now we are embedded in this creation and we find ourselves at this point where it seems like the most upstream issue is our illusion of separation do you feel like that's the most upstream issue is the illusion of separation from the one? Well, yeah, that could be one way to describe it. Delusions are part, like huge part of our experiences. Even if we look back to our brains, people predominantly think they are great. They are as great as they are. If you look at the optical illusions, you have, or many people had experiences with seeing different illusions in the books or somewhere else. And most of them have nothing to do with illusions. It's reality. It's the illusion because the brain cannot process it the way how it's projected on it. And that's why it's they, the people kind of use this word of illusion. But essentially, it's it, we can call them brain failures because the brain cannot process it the way how it's given to it. So therefore, yes, um, delusions about separateness and creating more awareness of who we really are. Yes, and that's what yes. the spiritual speakers all yes, speak about. Yes. Okay, so this most upstream issue of our illusion of separateness is also actually this greatest teaching function of us understanding the truth of reality, the oneness. Right. Reality is, again, the construct that we've created. And we try to make meaning or create the meaning around this perception of reality. And then uh, we can look at the technologies, the virtual reality, the augmented reality, extended reality. But then what about human reality? Yeah. What the humans experience as the reality for themselves, including the example that I just explained about the brain so-called failures. Yeah. That's the reality for humans. And this discussion about brain being um, counterpart, counterpart to interpreting the reality to the degree that it's capable. And then if the brain experiences limitations, then the reality is limited. So that's, an, um, I think, a way of understanding ourselves better in relation with the reality as we know it. How has your drop rejoined the ocean? Feelings of interconnectedness or ego loss or unconditional love, deep presence, any of these. How have you experienced your drop rejoining the ocean? I'm still on a way experiencing like many of those things. And uh, one of the most 
tangible or most um, visible things for myself i've listed on my five-year goals but it doesn't matter like five or one or two it's just the essence of it mm -hmm. to become a true forgiver mm. that's the goal it's very clearly in my mind and in my awareness and in my let's say direction towards it because we know forgiveness is only for the person who is forgiving himself i mean forgiveness is given conceptually to the other person mm. but actually the salvation is for the person mm. who is who is forgiving and i think that's the way one of the practices how to get back the the balance in your life so if um if you um uh maybe you know hit me with a ruler or something you know and i'm like ow <laughs> and then you go i'm sorry will you forgive me <laughs> and and i say yes that forgiveness is for you this was very um kind of example that might not describe the full potential of forgiveness because most of the times when people really suffer is when they don't forgive or cannot forgive somebody who have done like a larger harm like did something that is hard to forgive let's do an example like a very serious like maybe is cheat like cheating in a the monogamous relationship maybe is that a good example or what would be a good one oh there stealing are stealing from someone i mean they're, what's they all are bad examples because that's <laughs> bad behavior but in terms of uh of example let's say um um scientist invented a new thing and um didn't patent it and just uh had told somebody about this invention and then the other person just took it and uh, patented it and took it as his own okay how would you feel if that's how your, would i feel if uh, if, if i so, told you the yeah idea? You, you you invented something oh you my told gosh me this is so interesting because most recently with these feelings of oneness i just it's almost this is so hard to say but it, technically it's all for us it's all one so then it's like uh, but so, Perfectly fine. You're okay. good with that. Okay. But most of the people still, or or, or sure. large like portion of, of people, would still be very disappointed, like angry, yes. like okay. like how come? And even if that person might be a good friend, that's even like hurts more. And then the person who invented actually, but now is disappointed and angry, brings that feeling all the way, all the life in the person which means there is no space for creation there is no space for love there is no space for playfulness there is no space all the space is taken with the rumination around that anger yes that thing okay so then if i'm doing the classic uh, anger around the the stealing of intellectual property let's say then my whole life becomes consumed with that okay and then you ask me for forgiveness is that what's happening Yep. no then what then what yeah then what yeah the magic lies in the fact that it doesn't require an external thing i ask myself for forgiveness even further than that you just do forgive i do forgiveness 
Yes, that's I internal forgiveness. That that inner process when you take that, whichever form works for people, that can be different. But then the person who invented and then was disappointed just does this practice on himself or herself saying, that happened and I forgive that person for what the person did. And that forgiveness ends the situation and the anger is gone and the frustration is gone if it's true forgiveness, which means I forgive that person for what the person did. And, it's, and, and, and I like, like the way how you responded because if it's really oneness, that forgiveness makes sense right there, like without even having that experience of the anger. But when that experience oh, of the anger has yeah, happened, yeah. then the day when the person oh. forgives internally, okay. it has almost nothing to do with external. External can be before that, after that, but the essential point of release of that unwanted energy yeah. or unwanted yeah. stored energy which goes nowhere and to the waste. Question, if we forgive the liar, cheater, stealer, etc., then it happens again, does it not? That's a conventional way of thinking. It. It's not. It doesn't happen again. Then they wake up and they say, oh, I've been forgiven. I shall no longer lie, cheat, or steal. Again, we can, we can have like a spectrum of reactions okay. in, in this question. But again, if we speak from the perspective of oneness, yes. they feel like, oh, this is what's possible. Forgiveness is possible. Exactly. Okay, so okay, so upon being forgiven, and let's say immediately after committing some sort of malevolent act, then um, the process of I forgive that ignorant act, uh, the act of ignorance. They do not know upon which they cause harm. It is you affecting the one by doing so. Okay, I forgive, and then you yourself realize, oh, I was forgiven for that malevolent act. I must make sure I do not commit such malevolence again. That is hopefully the most optimistic. That's the, also, it has this flavor of analytical, rational it, yeah, it does. twist yeah, to it. Yeah, 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 yeah. But okay. then on an emotional, innate, human level, it's more like, what was that? Mm. I never experienced this. I never had this. This is something new. And then, and then the body reacts to it like and it's pleasurable. Like, I, 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 I got this. He forgave me for this. And then they become aware of that existence of forgiveness that were, ha, might not have happened ever in their lives. And this is, this, this is a provoke, <laughs> provoked in their bodies some biochemical reaction. And then the, the brain neurons like say, oh, this was an interesting new circuit in our brains. Uh, let's, uh, and then once they experience it once, they will be more aware of the next time and the more aware of the next time and then more people will forgive for what they, whatever they do. They would be more and more awareness of this forgiveness yes, being yes. all around them. So they would be like questioning themselves. I like your depth dive into the, the feeling, the, the visceral emotion that then arises when that forgiveness happens. Does it ever feel as though the process it sounds like forgiveness in many ways is this unconditional love that you have an unconditional love even in the act of someone doing something malevolent let's say does it ever feel as though then that those with unconditional love may be conquered by those who 
choose to technically conquer. everything can happen depends on situation and, and 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 everything else but if we go this way which you just described yes. we very quickly come to the point that openness and unconditional love is the strongest fundamental step on so people yes. when they realize that this person has that power of being and sharing unconditional love which is inaccessible for the other person so the first impression will be okay i will take advantage because this is just this lame person loving everyone i will take something and then they realize it's very quickly that this is dead end for them because that person's going to be having this unconditional love, love forever. Yeah, and they're not getting triggered by... The and uh, Yeah, and it's like they are not in a game. They're, yeah, they're not in and a those, game. And those are short-term games, what this... Interesting. Okay, so, so, so this question is, in a sense, it is, has some sort of a, a basis in, in, in fear, in a way. Yes, and so this is very interesting because it's as though um, it's like enlighten ourselves to all love and then at the same time there's this like but if those that are only love driven will we not be taken over by those who don't care whatsoever about love and just want all of it for themselves to be the gods themselves etc so there is but holding space for that absolute highest reality though the one where it is all unconditional love that's the future that all of us know is possible and that we want to guide towards that future. I'm going to collapse towards that probability. Future is just a concept because of the time. The time that appeared with a stick in the ground and a shadow moving and mm -hmm. people say, oh, we can follow this. So therefore, the future is a concept for our consciousness because in consciousness it doesn't exist. It's all at the same time. So which means if we project in the future, we actually put a little bit of the boundary on ourselves. So the love is now and it's fully accessible. And I think just by giving more and more reference to it and more and more stepping on it, it just is and evolves and also it becomes more accessible for those people. So I believe there isn't that kind of a big fight, uh, love versus hate. It's just that there is a love versus less awareness of love or less experience of the love, which might be not experienced on this biophysiological level for whatever reasons. It was absent of the experiences. But I think that's, that's what is. And then it's the question of accessing it. So we can be deeply immersed into the feelings of interconnectedness and unconditional love on a moment-to-moment -moment basis. We can be present with that. Yet there is some sort of a a future that is being built, right? Time being this illusion, yes, 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 of course. Yet there is some sort of a future that is coming in this next moment, and then that next one, and then we're just slowly getting to those moments. There will be a moment when this interview ends, etc. It's still a projection of our mind, our rational mind have the notion of time. So if you look to their primitive brains and that, that we share with animals, so they don't have this future and past kind of thing. It's the moment, okay, I'm hungry, I'm angry, I'm, I'm, I'm disturbed, I'm sleeping on that kind of thing. So if we really go down into or go into or open us up for the consciousness as it's in its purest form, 
um, the sequencing of the events is the pr pr product of our brain, intellectual part, intellectual part of the brain that has the time as the construct and then attach the events in the sequence. Yeah. And that's the way how we've been, been training it. So therefore, it might sound like a very provocative, but it has different nature on the same reality. So we might actually use it for when it's necessary and we might not use it where it's maybe not that applicable but so far brains have been trained okay, to I apply see. it to almost every situation okay so we do use it to schedule this interview right okay but then it's also the complete illusion of it no beginning no end no separation just all one uh and that we then uh like you gave the example of the animals uh the states of your dog's consciousness so, so is the dog never ever contemplating death or ever i don't believe i never had a conversation with with any dog so far you don't talk to dogs yet oh uh, <laughs> i just gave up by just i just bad at interpreting what they we say we were talking about talking to trees earlier today as well so we've been all over the spectrum <laughs> that's yeah. really great yes yes, yes. i mean and again, it's so interesting. People talk to themselves in their yeah. heads, yeah. and uh, why not to everything else? Yeah. How do you how do you execute your goals? Because if there is no time, yes. here is speaking about goals. Another construct in my work on transformation. Goal is um, danger. Goals are danger. Yes. What? Yes. Ambition is danger? Ambition is not a goal. So ambition can have a form of a goal or form of a direction. Okay, so how about direction? That's a completely different Than concept. the goal. Yes. But what I heard that goal is okay as long as there's no attachment to when it happens. That's, that's with, more direction, right? That's within the paradigm that goals are necessary. There's a, there's a theory goal setting theory for example but then the limitation of all of that work that implies goal implies that there will be a moment when you reach it and then what and there have been studies and there have been practical examples well there's milestones and now you put the milestones on the line and on the line that is leading somewhere okay this direction and in the work that i do about typology of change there are three types Okay, Trans three types of change. Change. Yes. Type First type is transactional. So it's a one-time change. You just exchange your money for a gym membership or whatever, or okay. for the conference visit, which might not say anything about you going to the conference or going to the gym. You mm. just did a transaction with a good intention to actually do a change in your life. Okay. Transaction, one-time thing. Okay. Second is transition. Transition is like a line. So if the first one is like a dot, the other is like a line. It has a duration. It's a period of time. Okay. So you might say, I'm going to go, I'm actually using this gym for a year. Okay, cool. And you actually go three times a week. Yeah. Okay. And expectation is that after a year, you will continue and you resubscribe. Mm. But that's, again, that's a, that's a delusion that mm. it's going to happen. It's just a hope. But what it says to our psychology, we put ourselves let's say, in a mental jail for a year and waiting for the release date to come. 
and we go very consistently three days a week because we are consistent with the commitment but psychologically we wait because we know there will be end to it and that's why goals show something that is like a relief and you kind of wait for it therefore the third type of change is transformational which means you remove remove and that's the secret which is i'm telling transformation is the secret no the secret what differs from the transition which is a line to transformation you remove the end point and it becomes an arrow which points in the direction where you want to go and it's endless and the endless uh. requires identity change because you need to go back to yourself and ask yourself who do i need to become to actually walk this arrow all the time let me give you a very trivial example especially in the countries which do smoke and prior to this example you we have the dot which is the transaction we have a line which has some sort of a goal and like an endpoint where you feel relief that you've achieved a goal otherwise i can just change it into an infinite arrow an infinite arrow towards the flowering of consciousness and very and then i can just become that i i go to self-work and i become that it heal re- growth it requires you to revisit yourself your identity imagine you are a book and it describes your status today and if that for example for one person includes i i do smoke 10 cigarettes a day that's what's written in the book today and that really represents the reality of that person and on january 1st the person makes a new year's resolution i'm not gonna do it anymore i'm not gonna smoke and he or she does it already for five consecutive years i'm not gonna be smoking and that happens every january so now if the person says i'm not gonna smoke for three months with the hope that after the three months i will just create this new habit and it's gonna last this is where the trap is so the psychological trap of waiting for the three months and actually come like consistently doing it but then psychology didn't change because there wasn't need to revisit your identity and rewrite that sentence in your book Mm. what is required and what, what and the difference is if you say this is an arrow which means for forever and you cannot be in conflict with yourself for forever so you need to revisit it's also relies on a theory of cognitive dissonance mm-hmm. your attitudes and your behavior have to be consistent yeah. so in that case if you see no endpoint there is no thing to grab on this is this is why so many people do cold turkey styles of quitting where they just decide to cessation of smoking for life direct arrow and then that's this whole cold turkey thing i don't know about cold turkeys that's what we this is what it's called we use that just just a decision sometimes that people make to stop i i call it chess type of mindset chess chess yeah black and white black and white yes you either or you play black or you play white you either smoke or you stop completely wait a minute okay you either smoke what's the opposite you don't you don't because when you phrase it you stop you imply you you did and when you apply you did you reference to the past and again it's a time construct 
your identity is the book today. Okay. Either it has the sentence or it doesn't have the sentence. And it, there is no point to referring back to the history because uh -oh. it's not you anymore. Which I say, I don't smoke yeah. then. And then that's what I wrote. I don't. That yeah. word specifically, I do not. Yeah. Currently, which does not uh, include any time. It only talks about present. Identity. Identity. It's identity question. And the way to trigger the identity is to remove the, the goal. I don't say that it's wrong. I just say if we want sustainable change, which is transformation, that's more successful. Goals have been proven to be successful, to be achieved. But then we have seen that some people backfire after that and some people revert to back. And so the goal is still limitation in time. Arrow is endless. So that's why it's trans very transformational. And then again, coming back to the smoking example that mm -hmm. I wanted to say, imagine this arrow and then every single decision, which is a transaction, has to land on that arrow as you move every day and you have the same friends offering you cigarettes and then you have this uh, meetings and everything else and your habits are still triggering you but you're just making decisions small decision every time no and you look no, into your book no, i yeah. don't smoke i, I, don't, I don't smoke, smoke. And, you, and you show yeah, to the other the people book. you show the other I, people I, the yeah, way you see? Like, like, you see? Yeah. Yeah. They, oh, really yeah. it's your book oh yeah it's your yeah, book yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we know we sometimes can be weak that's our nature. And there might be a bad day. You had a dispute with a colleague and you have uh, maybe damaged your car, whatever has happened, flat tire or something. And you stand there and there is, for example, you have the flat tire for a car and there is this uh, guys coming to pick up your car and they stand and they look what to do and they start to smoke and you feel bad, like, like, the, like stressed. And you think, okay, this is so exceptional. So this is the only flat tire in the last 10 years. And this is, I'm, 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 I'm missing my flight and like all of this crazy. And they have these cigarettes right around. And, and that is very tempting at that moment. But the, here is the truth. As soon as you take that cigarette, that decision don't land on the arrow. It lands slightly near. And geometrically, it means a different arrow. So you land yourself on a different arrow, which leads to a different endpoint. So you're not actually heading where you wanted, but you're slightly one degree, two degrees off yeah. your track, which means your identity is somewhere else in the future. And that's how it's different. People, brains actually are so smart that they create delusions that the brain Take, says, I'm, 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 I'm controlling everything. You just do this, and then we will, we will revert you back to the arrow. But that's not how the geometry works. You automatically are in a different one, and that's the delusion. And why brains do it? Because brains don't want to put a lot of cognitive effort into many things. Just avoid pain, more pleasure. That's the formula of the brain, but the brains are, as we discussed, they're not perfect. So we need to understand them better and also understand that it's just a one part of our body. And there is a subconscious brain. There are neural networks in the heart, in the gut and so forth. So we have to end the supremacy of the logical brain. We set a directional trajectory towards I, I, our identity being something like wanting the highest possible, not even wanting, but just towards 
the direction towards the highest possible state of what this could be, this creation could be. And there may be some discourse that happens to figure out between people to figure out what is that exact highest possible place for creation to be. Anytime we... These circumstances like you gave may cause our confidence to waver slightly from that highest possible. And if we do decide to, in a sense, succumb to that, those circumstances, that then our arrow of direction changes very very so slightly because that transactional moment is plotted on a one degree let's say difference this is so interesting because i view it so much on this kind of like like if like the um like your like your x-axis being something like um uh like uh like time time yes and your y-axis being something like uh like your highest highest potential like I'm always trying to help people like go like this, mm-hmm. like up as fast as possible towards your highest potential mm-hmm. in the least amount of time. But like a lot of the times we experience things that just cause us to go, <laughs> yeah, just like this way. Right. And by the time you die, you're just like, shit, I haven't done <laughs> sh- what, I wa- what I was blueprinted to do. Um, and so that kind of um, speaks to these like bifurcating moments that happen all like all the time that like you know you're on your trajectory and you maybe wrote in your book that you don't do something and then given the conditions maybe you know rather than going this way you go a little bit this way because you chose at that moment and then yeah go ahead there is a possibility for always to have an arrow that deviates from the original one but that decision has to be very deliberate and again it has to be with um, intention to have it to have a new arrow let me give you an example so people buy the membership of to the gym they go to the gym and then they get better and they get fitter and then they meet somebody who says oh you do so well that specific thing why don't you become a semi-professional and that's a new career that's a new opportunity and if the person feels good about that then they say okay my new like old arrow was be fit Mm. And the new arrow is to do semi-professional activities. So they, at that point, they divert from that arrow because they don't want to be in the end just fit. They want to be a semi-professional athlete. Yeah. And that's what's perfectly fine. Yeah. But that uncovers the difference between the very firm redirection yeah. and these small tempting moments that can happen. Yes. I, okay. Yeah. So the yeah, there's the at the bifurcating moments. It's not only um, towards the like the tempt tentative like distractions that can happen um, away from your highest, but it can actually potentially the bifurcations can be like a mentor that gives you really good advice that you take and then it uh, rockets you forward. Stuff like that. Same thing. Same thing. And maybe just to add a little bit, the arrow usually is perceived to point away from us. The time arrow usually points away from us. The future is in front, the, the, the history is at the back. But essentially, if we speak about oneness, yeah, you know, the arrow actually points inwards. Inwards. And it's endless inwards. Endless inwards. 
So yeah. we are uncovering us ourselves and we are like yes. pulling off the layers of conditioning and layers of unknown and doing doing this arrow arrow of our own being who who we are is actually inwards. And therefore again there it's it's timeless. A timeless arrow of inward. Yeah. is potentially this purpose of yes. the creation. Yes, this is how we get into our highest being from which we create unimaginable things, pretty much anything we need. Voila. <laughs> there's, there's lots of joy uh, is present right now and it feels like it's due to the deeper and deeper process of uncovering the beautiful, silly, playful, fun game of truth of creation. Why it's so enlightening is because this is this is our nature and we collectively together in this conversation and other conversations are get closer and closer and we share yeah do you remember the movie matrix oh my yes yes why do you bring it up there will be matrix 4 coming out soon yes but then I use in um, in my talks 30 seconds from the first Matrix. Okay. The iconic moment when the first time Neo meets Morpheus. Yes. And Morpheus says, no one can be told what the Matrix is. So therefore no one also can be told what the true nature of our being is yes you can only see it for yourself here is the blue pill and yeah. here is the red pill <laughs> you take the blue pill you wake up in the morning believe whatever you want to believe you take the red pill the story ends and i show how deep the rabbit hole goes and the rabbit hole is the eternal arrow inwards the rabbit hole is the eternal arrow inwards. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we can speak in the metaphors. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. It's already 20 years ago in one of the iconic movies. Yeah. And you would ask people around the globe. People would know this movie just like Fight Club, for example, and others. They know the scene. They know the pills. Yeah. How many of them? would ever think what the rabbit hole means <laughs> for yeah. themselves yeah yeah so Tur so so it's a so then it's a it's a it's in a decision of our identity in our book to say and decide that i will do the eternal arrow inward here it is again will implies future okay oh i am doing the eternal arrow inward I, I i am i am the eternal arrow inward yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. Let's just make it yeah. simple. Yeah. Sim simple works better. Yeah. Yeah. It does. Yeah. I am the eternal arrow inward. Means you've taken the red pill and you're exploring the depth of the rabbit hole of creation. Exactly. <laughs> As the French would say. <laughs> that that's the way it goes. That's the way it goes. The depth of the arrow inward is uh, infinite. And that, that's the games. These are the infinite games of that we play. Exactly. That's why it's so enlightening, because it never ends. You just keep on playing. Is there anything more beautiful than this creation there no here yes <laughs> so the big nothing's more beautiful than that but here again i was just playing with the place what were you yeah yeah, yeah so oh, I, oh I, here I, and there i played with time okay and now yes. we, now we play with space okay there and here <laughs> it's all here so it's all here, yes. Yes, so is sorry there, for that. <laughs> is, is, is there anything more beautiful than this infinite game? Not to my awareness. So it, it's safe to say that there's nothing more beautiful. It's impossible for something to be more beautiful than creation. Exactly, because the rest is our um, delusion of seeking for something external that has been proven to be more easier to possibly get or create or access those are the shortcuts those are the short-term pain and pleasure game that's somewhat is um, part of our life because of our evolution but then again i think our um, human potential is much higher than that and again, I, I think the most interesting part in this game right now is really if we look at the yin-yang. Yes, like yes. It's one part is the pain and pleasure, which is a short-termness of everything. Let me have this cigarette. Let me have this drink. Let me get this car. Let me get this house. Let me jump on my head into the pool. <laughs> and the eternity, on the other hand, this infinite arrow inwards, which actually is the essence of who we are. And those are the two forces, I think, that is that both are maintained in our, how many, six pounds of jelly-like mass mm -hmm. with the biochemical signals that we trying to grasp understanding, which is our brain. And um, the more we become aware of our true nature and then our game becomes more in favor of the internal arrow rather than the pain and pleasure, which has been dominating for hundreds of years, maybe thousands of years. So, so it's safe to say that then uh, in indigeneity, uh, the infinite arrow inward is dominant and that in metropolis life the pain pleasure side is dominant potentially that's an oversimplification but yeah oversimplifying they have been with us always for, yeah, for 
Okay. Yes. Yeah. It's just that we've been evolving to feel more of the infinite arrow because we were we were busy to feeding ourselves and surviving running up, running away from big animals and that's all about surviving and pleasure and pain that is constantly still maintained by our um, instinctive brain or the primitive brain which predominantly reacts fast and therefore also wants for the fast pleasure or quickly avoid pain and that's the short-termness or fastness of the primitive brain and because we developed all this analytical rational and therefore also slow it actually giving us the possibility to play this other part more efficiently comparing maybe to the older days when we were busy of surviving so i don't think we will ever uh, transcend fully the pain and pleasure part because that's the biology for example we, we need food and then that's we that's the pleasure is through the carbohydrates and that we get and that fulfills so we need that so the instrumentality of our body is built this way it's it's but is this true though that you feel like you relate more with indigeneity on pain pleasure then than you in, relate with them on a complete interconnectedness with each other and their environment and source and the infinite arrow inward because i relate with them more on that than i do on like oh looking for danger oh i'm under attack i need to you know leave we weren't there not me nor you so it's difficult for me to say what exactly happened and now we are trying to project something on them where we never been I would say we always had both. It was, my, what I'm saying is that the, the, the portion of one or the other has changed depending on the circumstances. So if the circumstances for a particular period of time required more surviving, clothing, housing, animals, <laughs> disasters, they didn't have that possibly much time to contemplate on the inward arrow of course they did of course they did community they did spiritual things and they did uh, at a level of their comprehension at that period of time but i wouldn't say that they would be fully living this life maybe in some parts of the world where the danger was less so they were not triggered and the food was abundant of course it was like that and as the or if their immediate return hunter gatherers it's always abundance it's never scarcity. There's always enough. But you're right. These are all thoughts about the past. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm also just curious about like, like where is things? Where are things going? Because it does feel like humanity is some sort of a biological bootloader for a digital super intelligence how do you feel about that i really think the, the way how we see reality is determined by the words that we use framing it so we can say where all of us are going or well where this world is going and we can say oh what is coming actually so what 
is the next thing that we're going to experience. So it's not that we kind of are moving away towards a new world where there will be different things, but actually what we are welcoming in our lives. So actually we are here and things are coming. Innovations are coming. Experiences are coming. Self-evolution is coming into our lives. And that also changes the perspective because if we are, need to go, then we get into the rushing something, into the speeding up, into getting stressed about it. But if we are taking the perspective that our creation is coming to us, that we are going after the creation. So then again, we have a completely different perspective and then we choose what we welcome to. What our, we welcome in. Yeah. So all the possibilities exist and then our present moment whatever we welcome in if we welcome in fear or love or if we welcome in the future of whatever future we welcome in future that we welcome in is where it ends up going that how the the, the game of words happen yes so if i have a uh a, the, if i if there's so many different um possibilities possibilities and i'm only welcoming in the highest possibility and if that highest possibility does not come if it doesn't include us becoming multiplanetary and then the asteroid comes. That's the fear speaking. Is it really the fear speaking or is it foresight that you want the highest to be multiplanetary so that it can preserve? Remember the mirrors in the beginning of our conversation? Okay. Let's, yes, That's please. The, that fear is a good projector. Okay. Fear can create that there will be somebody throwing a stone in this window and will ruin all of this conversation. Or there might be the fear that there will be electricity uh, off and we would need to re-record all of this. So the whole conversation about uh, the collision of an asteroid ki the killing all of the dinosaurs, this doesn't, like, you know, what it, the, it, the, it, this it, doesn't feel like it can happen again or... Essentially, it doesn't have pretty much anything to do with our being here. I mean... The way how we experience this is so interesting it doesn't it doesn't ever feel like there's like too much like lostness that can come from being so immersed in the present or in just unconditional love or just this infinite inward arrow where you where you just it never comes up that hey maybe we should get to another celestial body maybe it's interesting to explore that that's perfectly fine if it has a good purpose. Remember we spoke about the yeah, purpose? Yeah, the intention, purpose and yes. intention, yes. Then if we point the arrow towards getting there yes. and it has a purpose, then we go there. Okay. Yep, that's yeah. fine. That's fine. Okay, but not from a place of fear is what you're saying from the asteroid colliding, but it's from a place of exploration. Or necessity. Or necessity. So instead of fear, instead of t telling the story about the asteroid, we just say it's necessary to, to explore. We, we, we have discovered the necessity to find resources. 
Oh. Resources a necessity to find resources because we want a uh, hundred billion. We, we want a hundred billion humans we, instead of just eight. We want sustain the possibility for everyone to experience fullest creativity. And for that, because we get more, we need more resources. We need more resources. We are biological. Interesting. Okay, so we want consciousness to um, experience it, as many degrees of freedom as it can to pursue its own creative, uh, loving, endeavoring. And we need resources for that. Therefore, there is necessity. And therefore, we become uh, uh, interplanetary, interstellar, and we explore rather than asteroid fear yeah that's so that's interesting i i i i much prefer that the story told that way as well it's more science it's right? more beautiful you, you your body reacts more with pleasure to this alternative rather than the asteroid right yeah my butt reacted with a lot of pleasure feeling these two differences and learning about the best story to tell because the other this one is very inspirational it's very heroic it's like the, your children, their children, generations of children will be able to endeavor into consciousness and pursue what is most creative and meaningful because there will be so many resources as we become interstellar and planetary. Yeah, yeah. they might be this kind of specific cells that just fly autonomously in the space and there's like a one passenger thing and you just like navigate it through the space anywhere you want with any speed and your kids are just exploring that and having this expansion of the mind beyond what can imagine, what we can imagine today. Oh, your consciousness goes. Completely different picture. Same, yeah. the same arrow. Yeah, or or yeah. That, that could be also possibly comparable. There was a goal avoid the asteroid and here is the arrow of but like ex expanding the potential expanding yeah. the oh, it was interesting that you said that the arrow was in a sense pointed in the same direction but with a different story but then you corrected it and said it was a goal but i it is kind of but the oh oh maybe the arrow in this case is survival you see or thriving right yeah you see what brought my attention to correct myself because the asteroid is a point in time. Huh. Yeah. The line ends yeah. where the asteroid hits. Yeah. It has a... Yes, yes. Okay. That's I why. See. There's this goal. I see. The line ends. Yeah. Or it's a, it's a point. Yeah. It's yeah. a point. It's a point in somewhere there. While expansion of our consciousness and exploration and more resources is endless. Interesting. So we should... We should be telling stories that are only uh, about the this this infinite arrow and this infinite game of inward that are that have an intention of love and growth and prosperity and um, these more beautiful adventurous um, words rather than ones that are fearful we should never then tell the stories is, is that right there's never never there's never a purpose for the fear story yeah you know we discussed the the mechanics of 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 our um expansion through the arrow and pointing it but we we, we don't need to use that metaphor every single time we speak about certain things but you were very rightly said that we would be projecting or um directing the arrow towards love, 
towards compassion, towards expansion, towards creativity. And then as we are pointing it, we just pull in the context and then speak about things, provide things and explain things and encourage people and engage people by making it making that direction more uh, into their awareness and they oh yeah that would that would make sense if we we went to this interstellar and the, the resources and this new possibilities to expand our uh, awareness about things well, that would be very enlightening that would be experience expansive experience and oh why not and then we point arrows towards novel spaceships novel technologies that actually are components on this journey and so you put those onto the arrow so you do the spaceships you do the ai you do the next thing you do the new materials and, and all of this land on the arrow and the arrow points towards interstellar um um life <laughs> mm -hmm. and then every everybody of every cell in the consciousness says so, wow interesting okay okay I, I I see. So so the so so the the intention and the very serious uh, process of of self work in understanding this this infinite game and putting that intention of that infinite arrow towards. Um, that love and growth, prosperity, all these words, it then makes it so that there is no potential errors that happen in terms of our ethics or morals or philosophies or issues that could arise from when we make the technologies like artificial intelligence or biotech, neurotech, etc. Um, there's no, rather than selling the story of the fear you're selling the story of the purpose, the purpose and just the absolutely unwavering focus, no swaying away from that only. And yes. And just to remind that on every time on, on while we are moving on that arrow, we can realize, well, we've got this new tech, which would actually give us experience to accelerate our progress and therefore means we can aim for uh, even higher expansion which would be a, a new arrow from that moment of realization and we say okay are we willing to go the same way or we see this potential redirecting us and why don't we after this discovery reconsider arrowing us there and then we just say wow that has even greater potential of expansion let's just move it there so we can always point a new arrow out of existing one but very deliberately so it has to be with a good purpose okay and that's these dialectics that happen between um the kind of like the the dialogue of the civilization etc that could then decide on the sl the slight adjustments of the purpose arrow that's the collective that's the collective awareness how do we make it like a decentralized um way to make the decision of the civilization's purpose arrow and that's an interesting topic we've been discussing also here at the conference 
Um, my work previously was around figuring out because I was working on transforming cities. So what would be the universal well-being scale? So, for example, there is a land available in a city and there would be different developers proposing different projects, a parking garage, park, a supermarket, basic things. And uh, typically people will look at the expenses, the resources, and rarely they would be really going into the impact to the to the well-being of people around that, to the earth, to the ecosystem, all of those sort of things. But if we were, uh, if we had this uh, universal metric, it would land somewhere from what, from zero to hundred percent, for example, in those three projects, depending on the uh, universal collective impact to everything, what is meaningful for us, and what would have the highest purpose. So that we will have this collective set of things that would emerge as a one variable on this one metric. And if we get that done, then I think we are pretty good at collectively deciding what it is and then collectively adjust, adjusting if needed. So, and that's not trivial, but also not too complicated because I think our current mindsets are too locked into the previous habits, money, cost <laughs> and then maybe the corporate social responsibility emerged i don't know a couple of decades ago and now it's more and more other well-being things come to the workplace and so forth i just think that if we become more conscious and aware we could speed up that process of actually getting this universal i, I was speaking about universal well-being metric but i now during this conference are more and more contemplating about universal consciousness metric, metric yeah yes yeah. That would be amazing. And I think that would be reference point and it could be shared with everyone and then cultures can or places can adapt depending on their values because values is something that is fundamental of the societies and communities. A universal consciousness metric that is adjusted based on the values of the communities. I wouldn't predict there would be a huge differences based on the values but values are always the fundament for uh, for the local community therefore they have to be part of that so what i mean is uh, some people are more collectivist some yeah. more more competitive i don't say which one like sure. whether one is better than the other but if they are this way you can adopt the the measurement instrument yeah. according to the to values that, yes. to the values and then there's still some sort of a way to mm, decide on what even these measure the measurement instrument is in the first place based on who decides you know that's hard it's again it's uh, nothing your connectedness like based on your i don't know your biometric state of interconnectedness and then maybe you're enlightened enough to be a, a, a one of the the ideators behind the purpose yeah, I think the purpose is something that would be the the common denominator, and then that uh, would be very um, easy to understand uh, contribute contributions or determinants of that, and then that could give this. Maybe there will be a lot of smaller indicators grouping in the larger indicators, and then we will get this the holistic metric in the very end. So universal consciousness metric and then what i mean by 
adjusting to the values it might be the proportions so you might have like a different input f based on what's more important in that specific culture and that's let's say there are 10 categories by 10 percent but then in a one uh, culture it would be split of this 10 and 10 into 15 and 5 so it like some some of the category is more important than the other one so they would be like rearranging more percentage wise like a weight different kind of weights attached to the same category i think the categories would still remain very universal because they are attached to the purpose and the greater purpose of the mankind anyways it was just like like an implementation of that for the specific yes would be. but even at the most upstream though the overall civilizational purpose though i mean this is kind of reminds me also of like the dunbar uh, communities themselves have just so hard to go past that 150 and you jump to figuring out how to govern a billion people or 8 billion people is uh, much more yeah there's there's different ways to structure um, the social fabric to maximize flourishing and so we're kind of in the process of running all the combinatorics uh, permutations as little governments and stuff right now and um yeah, there's, there's been a lot of really interesting things that have come up from this conversation. Yeah, this has been really fun. Agnes, thank you so much for coming on You're the program. You're welcome. I mean, this is life. We just let ourselves live it. And uh, it just are in our reach. We just need to reach for it. We just need to... Some say concentrate, some say meditate. We just need to allow it to come. It's in, everything is in our reach. You're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank this you. was very, very enjoyable. Good. I'm happy to hear. Good. Yes. We're happy to hear. Yes. Good. Good. yes. We've been honored. It's been so fun. Thank yeah. you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. <laughs> thanks, thanks everyone for tuning in. We greatly appreciate it. We'd love to hear your thoughts in the comments below on the episode on all these different interesting, fascinating, multi area topics that were covered. This was so fun, brother. Check out the links to Agnes's work in the bio below. Check out all those links. Check out the links to the Transformative Technology Conference as well. Check out all those links. Thank you, Brady Springer, for co-producing. Greatly appreciate you. And also, support the artists, the entrepreneurs, the organizations, the spiritual leaders around the world that you believe in in your local communities. You can support simu simulation. You can support our show. You can find the links in the bio below. PayPal, Patreon, cryptocurrency. You can design, design cool merch and get paid. And go and build the future. Manifest your dreams into the world. We love you very much. Thank you for tuning in, and we will see you soon. Peace.